exclusive to Jacaranda FM. It's The Drive with Rob and Roz. Jacaranda FM. In conversation this afternoon for the month of November, we're talking men's mental health, we're talking safe spaces, we're talking all kinds of conversations around the issues that men find difficult. And one of the really big things that's often very triggering and very difficult to talk about is money and finances and how that affects us all. And I'm very, very grateful this afternoon to be joined by Yuri Fenter. He is a clinical psychologist from the University of Stellenbosch. He's done his MBA. He runs an organization called Mindful Money that he started back in the 90s and it's sort of the intersection between um, financial planning and financial services which is what he does and the mental health aspect thereof and I think it's a perfect place to have this conversation so Yuri Gaswenter bye dankie for your time for me and welcome yeah, bye, Anki. Uh, Rob, um, I see now it's going to be great. November is Men's Mental Health Month. And, you know, the, the typical, we, we talk about Movember every year and people raising money for charity and so on and so forth. When it comes to finances, there's a particular kind of stress that men feel because we're all, as much as we like to think we're progressive and evolved creatures, we still exist in a world that very much has that idea of men should be providers. Our self-worth is linked to how much we can give to the people around us. And a lot of that comes from, in this modern age, financial certainty for other people. And that's a huge stress for men to carry. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd like to think, maybe start out with the idea that if you look at consumers, I think where we are in South Africa at the moment, um, I think let's acknowledge, you know, that it's it's hard out there. It's difficult. If if, if you think about cost of living um, having gone up post COVID, just by virtue of interest rates having risen the way that they have. So if you you know, service a mortgage, I mean that puts greater pressure on you. Um, there's been food inflation. There's been rising petrol prices, and you know that all of that makes um, it difficult to, to survive, you know, inside your budget. So I think that, you know, would be my first point that if, if I just look at where we are as consumers in South Africa at the moment, I think it's it's not easy. Now, you know, your specific question, Rob, in, in terms of the way that men maybe look at their role in providing resources for their families, you, you know, I want to maybe start with the idea of a money story. Uh, this notion that we all run around with a story about money in our heads that most of the time, you know, we won't even be aware that it's there, but it's beliefs that we hold that we maybe got from our parental homes. So, you know, if you have a money story um, spinning around in your head that doesn't serve you, then certainly that can be a major, major contributor to you know, you're not coping with your finances. I'm just thinking about an example. Let's say you've got this thought in your mind that you've got this fear of, of running out of money because maybe you grew up in a household the way you had to really budget. Then, you know, that kind of a story you're running around with isn't helpful lots of the time. Yeah. It can be a major contributor to stress, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a story my dad has running around in his head, you know, for sure. I yeah. know I know he yeah. does and I know it sits with him now after he's retired and so on and I'm I'm sure he's going to be okay but he can't convince yeah. himself that he's sure he's going to yeah. be okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can imagine that if you know you terrified constantly that there's this thing that I'm going to run out of money. I mean, that's not exactly going to allow you to to enjoy your retirement. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely won't because you keep, you keep carrying this stress around and yeah. it sort of feels like it gets compounded because 
especially after you retire, I suppose you feel like there's less you can do about it. You feel like there's less control. And I feel like it's that control element that also adds to it because it's not easy to just conjure a bigger income. You know what I mean? You're right. So, you know, in retirement, I think that is an issue. Maybe, you know, you've lost during that stage in your life that you still had while you were working. You can then make plans, you know, while you're working to to, to, to supplement your income. You can um, maybe work longer, whatever the case may be. But, you know, once you retire, um, it's that's pretty much the, the, the capital sum that you've amassed is pretty much finite. And, and I can understand, you know, the anxiety during that stage of life that you may be running out of money. I often find that a reality check helps. A client might come to you and say, they won't say that in so many terms, but during the discussion, it becomes clear that that is a concern that the client may have. And then just oftentimes just doing a reality check, saying, but let's just see, you know, what do the assets that you've got, what do they amount to? Um, and then balancing that with the, with, the, with, the, with the income requirement that you've got on the other side, you might be surprised that, you know, the answer might show that, in fact, you're okay. And, you know, only having that discussion um, can take away some of the anxiety. What, what also often happens during a discussion like that is that you bump on alternatives in your discussion with, let's say, financial planner that maybe as a client you haven't thought about in your personal capacity. Um, I mean, I just had a discussion last week like that with a with a person, you know, who's sitting, she's got it paid for property inside a golf estate. And, you know, if you did the sums on um, the capital funding her lifestyle, it was difficult to get by on what she wanted. But if you factored into the equation now, you know, if you sell the property and move to retirement village around the corner, then all of a sudden, you know, just putting that alternative on the table gave you a way out. Um, it, it, it still wasn't necessarily, you know, the best answer, but at least the, during the discussion, you discovered that there is an option that you hadn't thought of, yeah. you know, because you were getting in your, into your own rabbit hole <laughs> and, and, and weren't able to think outside of a frame of reference of yours that you were caught up in. Yeah. And so discussion, I think, is important. I think discussion, and you, you make a very good point there. I think it is important. And I think that is exactly true, is we often don't anticipate what other things we could potentially do. Because, yeah. I mean, in my own experiences talking about mental health and so on, it's been one thing I learned is that as human beings, we tend to like to catastrophize things. You know, it's the absolute <laughs> worst case scenario. So if you're yeah. looking at your finances and yeah. you're saying you're talking about this person you spoke to last week who has a property and has a certain standard of living they want to maintain yeah. and what can they do? But the alternative is always like, if I run out of money, the worst possible thing is going to happen. And sort of, if any of us look back at our lives, it's very, very seldom that the absolute worst case scenario comes to pass. But somehow, absolutely. our brains absolutely. want to present that to us as the inevitable outcome. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if you look at what evolutionary psychologists have to say about that, you know, it's it, you can link that to um, our need to survive. Um, it's smarter to anticipate bad because, I mean, then you, you'll make a plan rather than, you know, thinking that the movement of the leaves um, in the bush there is, is the wind. Um, you, you, you know, you, um, you accept that it's a line and you run for the hills. 
and, 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 and then all of a sudden, you know, it, it was just the wind passing through the, the leaves. So you're right, we're wired in that way, oftentimes, you know, to, to expect the worst. Just another variable um, that I spoke about, uh, or I suggested to the client where we considered the sale of the property, she's got a sister living in the UK. And I just introduced the possibility, I asked her, listen, have you discussed this, you know, the sale of this property maybe with your sister? You know, she's earning pounds sterling and, you know, she's in a, in a good spot um, financially. And, you know, here her sister sits at the southernmost point of Africa dealing with her financial predicament all on her own. But she's got a sister in the UK that she's got a very good relationship with. So just the discussion that opens this possibility and says, listen, have you considered sharing this with your sister. I know, you know, it's it's maybe not the easiest to broach the topic, but consider this as an alternative that you can factor into the equation in handling your situation here. And uh, think about it. Maybe you're not going to do it, but if you've passed it around in your mind, maybe for two, three days, I don't know. Yeah. On day three, maybe you decide, let's give my sister a shot and let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that leads me nicely to another question. Why are certain things and especially money so difficult to talk about i mean you get together with your mates around a bry and the conversation is going to be oh things are expensive now huh yeah oh have you seen the school fees for next year oh boy it's bad and that's sort of where it ends no one says and by the way i've downgraded my medical aid i'm struggling a little bit we've had to cancel a holiday and i feel bad about having to cancel a holiday why is that second half of the conversation so difficult to have Rob, I think you're putting your finger on a very, very important issue here. And I think it talks to the point that, you know, money is linked so intimately to our self-worth. You know, we've allowed in our culture uh, symbols such as, uh, for example, the the car that you drive, um, the home you live in, to define your worth. And, you know, having to admit to your mates that you need to sell up and need to a smaller house, or you need to sell your car, and 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 um, you know you need to cut back, and instead of having two cars, you now only go for one. Uh, you're sort of admitting failure in your mind, and that's what makes it so difficult. You know, talk along the lines that you've been suggesting here, because you're volunteering information about yourself that I think a lot of people are reluctant to say because, you know, they um, seen as, um, I failed, I'm I'm a failure. Yeah, I actually get that. When you say that fear of failure, like, I understand that. You know, I'm I'm one of those people, depending on which aspect of the life I'm talking about, it's very much, I would rather not try something than try something that I think I'm going to fail at. And I can understand how that is, you know, exactly that mindset that prevents us talking about stuff. But in that same note, um, we also often find it difficult to have conversations within our relationships. You know, I've heard of yes. so many couples yeah. who yeah. something bad happened and they discover suddenly two years down the line that their partner has run up, you know, a gigantic amount of credit card debt and was simply too yeah. embarrassed to talk to them about it or thought they'd be yeah. angry or something. And we sort of hold all these things in because I think alongside that fear of failure, there's also very much that real fear that we're going to be judged for not succeeding. Yes, absolutely. And and um, let's face it, you know, I've, I still consider it a miracle that two people, um, you know, that come from entirely different backgrounds get into a relationship and they have this commitment and say, listen, we're going to live our lives together. Now, if you add to that, you know, we already uh, said that discussing the topic of, of money is something that's personal because of the way um, that we view 
money as a proxy to our self-esteem. Now, you know, if you consider that people differ in any event, also acknowledge that we differ in terms of the money stories that we have. So it's no surprise to me that um, in an intimate relationship between spouses, between partners, um, that money is a, a potentially an area where there, there can be potential conflict between partners slash spouses because, you know, we look at the world in different ways, but we also have different money stories. You can probably distill that down, you know, back to back to values, core values, a core value to use, um, let's say, you want to do well to other people. So, you know, you may have a propensity that, that, that you know, you give away your money to good causes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I, on the other side, I come from a from a background where scarcity is a is a major theme, then there's going to be conflict. If you know, I see that you're giving your money to a charity where I think you know we should have actually saved that away for a rainy day, and it's that conflict that rises because we've got two different core values and two different money stories. That's yeah, that, um, that's a very fascinating way to think about it. I've never considered that. You know, considering where people's backgrounds come from and what you think is important with money. I know some people think, you know, accumulation is a status symbol makes them feel good. I know, as you say, some people feel they want to do something charitable with their money. That makes them feel good. Scarcity, as you talk about, is a huge thing. My parents particularly come from that sort of mindset as well, especially with my dad, and I can see it. Other people, you know, see it as a tool. Those business types who then want to leverage it and build and do stuff with it. And you're right. I think that conversation is an important thing to have. So understanding that all of these different things exist and we do have this idea of perhaps fear of talking about it and shame associated with the ideas of failing and we don't want to talk about this stuff. If you're speaking to someone who is Mm. under financial pressure who the last couple of years, the inflation has hit hard after COVID. Things haven't gone back to normal nearly as fast. The increases haven't been coming. The world costs more now. And we're starting to feel down and we're thinking about and worrying about it all the time. What can we do to help those people? I mean, is there anything that we can approach that isn't just purely practical, save more, get another job, et cetera, et cetera? How do you be kind to yourself in that situation? Mm. Yeah, so, you know, the obvious way, um, you know, if you look at it with a spreadsheet mentality, let's say, you would say, you know, you answer that question by doing one of two things or both. So you try and generate more money um, or you try to spend less. So, but, but, but I think, you know, that that's the reflexive, intuitive kind of an answer, but I don't think it's very helpful. I would tend to, you know, look at Things such as what is it that makes it difficult for you to come out with your with your money? Um, if you presented with a budget where you know you see all sorts of items that would suggest that you know there's spending where priorities aren't necessarily 100% clear, I would want to explore that because you know one of the things that we do and and it it, it takes me back you know, to the conversation that you alluded to with your mates is that as humans, we we constantly comparing each other, um, comparing to each other. So wealth or financial well-being um, is seldom something that I would consider in absolute terms. I, I often do that relative to 
what I perceive to be the well-being of someone else. Yeah. Okay. And 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 that can be destructive. That can get me off track. And if you ask me, what should one do in that situation? I would say, try and figure out what it is that is important to you first and foremost. So you, you know, rather than um, being guided by what uh, society tells you is important to live up to. Try and question that and ask, what is it that works for you? So, you know, if society tells us, listen, you know, it is appropriate for someone your age to have two and a half children and a dog and live in a three-bedroom house and drive two cars, um, and, you know, on your, on your income, that doesn't work, well, acknowledge that and then ask the question, but is it helpful for me to subscribe to that standard? And shouldn't I try and find out what is important to me? What are my core values? What are my objectives? And very important, what is enough for me? Yeah. Because bear in mind, you know, in this society we live in, in if you buy into in a core idea from capitalism is, you know, you only advance when you accumulate more. Rather than buying into that mindset, ask yourself, is, does that serve me to, to have that sort of a mindset? And is it not more useful for me to try and figure out what enough is for me? Is it necessary to acquire more all the time? Is there an enough point? And, and, and I don't think we do that. I, I don't think, you know, the, the society that we are part of um, encourages you to ask that question because yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not in the interest of, you know, the retailer that wants to sell you another pair of shoes and another watch and, um, you know, a second car, if you've evaluated the messages coming across from the retailers and figured out that, hang on, but, you know, I don't want to buy into that kind of a storyline. I actually, I'm content with what I've got. Uh, yeah. and, and so, therefore, you know, I can make do on this income that I've got. It's not necessary for me to just continue striving and be on this hedonic treadmill all the time. Yeah. So, you, you know, figuring out for yourself what works for you, I think, is important. And the, the term I like using in that respect, Rob, is that we learn to cultivate an internal locus of control. Um, so rather than taking the cue from outside, figure out what it is that is dear to you, that is important to you, and structure your life along those values. Actually, yes, you make a very good point here, because I think part of the stress that comes with this whole thing is that feeling of the lack of control and i think any yeah. any way you can provide yourself some more control is just a yeah. way of minimizing a bit of that stress i mean you mentioned yeah. some very interesting examples there and while you were doing that i was just thinking about my own life i've got an old car my car's a 2007 i think you know yeah. and i i decided early on in my life things i would like to do more i would like to travel more and i'm not really into keeping up with new stuff you know i'll go clothes shopping maybe yeah. once a year and that's sort of yeah. me i don't go out i don't buy a lot of stuff i don't upgrade my cell phone every year um yeah. i said to myself early on i never want to buy a new car i don't want to know what yeah. that feels like i don't want to have to pay all of that off i'm quite happy yeah. doing secondhand cars my whole life yeah. but my girlfriend yeah. and i literally had a conversation yesterday and she was saying oh I just, I'm at the point now because her car is also old. I want a new car. I want that ribbon and that new car smell and all of that kind of stuff. And just yeah. you talking about deciding what you want. And then, you know, her and I have to have a conversation and communicate that. 
and allow each other the space to do their things. You know, some people like to be out or busy or spending money. Um, my a- attitude is also, you know, I like cooking. I'll cook at home as simply as I can, as often as possible. Yeah. And then if I yeah. go out, I want to go out and drink a really nice bottle of red wine. You know, I don't want yeah. to go yeah. out more regularly on the cheaper. Yeah. I'd rather go out, lash out properly once a month as opposed to going yeah. out once a week, for example. And these yeah. are all... Those are all little ways of just taking back some control of that, what can be a stressful situation. So I think it's a very solid point to say, what matters to me? What do I want my life to look like? And then how can I adjust my behaviors to serve that? And then I think on top of that, communicating that to the people you're with is important. Absolutely, That's a really important point. Um, uh, I just want to add on the, the, you know, communicating to other people. In, in, in your case, then, you know, that would be discussion between you and your girlfriend. But the, the, the way that that discussion goes is also important, you know, in making sure that this discussion about finances doesn't become something that's going to drive a wedge between the two of you. Yeah. And, and how do you do that? Um, well, f- first of all, if you into that discussion with the understanding that the two of you are going to differ because you've got different money stories, okay? And there's no right or wrong money story. The story is just the story. So your money story is legitimate because it is a function of the way that you've been brought up. It's a function of your nature and your nurture. And it is not for me to judge that and say, but you're crazy or you're wrong or whatever the case may be. So in the discussion that we have about money, try and avoid, you know, accusatory uh, kind of statements that start out with you are. Yes. Rather, rather, uh, you know, do statements that start with I feel, I think, right? So you give I messages rather than you messages that can be uh, seen to be accusatory. And that, that, uh, you know, that can take the discussion anyway. Yeah, and that's a very is important, but the way that you do it is is, is critical. It, it is absolutely critical, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think we're not taught to communicate very well. You know, yeah. I, I feel makes it about me and gives you the opportunity yeah. to understand me and exactly. then try and respond through understanding. You yeah. do X, Y, Z becomes accusatory and inflammatory. Exactly. Um, Doesn't work. Yeah, it's, it's not helpful at all. And I think yeah. at the end of the day, we also very much tend to want to be right or to yeah. win a conversation. And we should do less winning of conversations and more listening in conversations. Well, absolutely. I mean, if that is, you know, uh, I said, you know, into the conversation with the mindset that, you know, um, you've got your own money story and that money story is legitimate. Yes. But I mean, if you can add that sort of a point of departure that you just verbalized there, I mean, absolutely, that, that, that'll that just contribute to, you know, the discussion turning out to be constructive. Uh, that's what you want um, rather than a source of conflict. Yeah. Absolutely true. I'm going to take away the line I'm going to take away from this is your money story is your money story. And it's not for anyone else to judge. It's simply for you to understand and see if you can communicate it. Um, Yuri, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate our conversations this afternoon. It's been great fun. If people want to get in touch with you and your company, where can we do so? Uh, Rob, I've got a website. You know, you can just go to uh, mindfulmoney.co.za and you'll find contact details there um, if you want to get in touch. 
Perfect. That is Yuri Fenter. He is a psychologist. He's a certified financial advisor. Mindfulmoney.co.za is based out of the Cape. Yuri, bye. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Rob. Much appreciated. Absolute pleasure. Exclusive to Jacaranda FM. It's The Drive with Rob and Roz. Jacaranda FM.